I'm Ellen Girding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm just freshly back from PAX Unplugged. And man, am I sick. My voice is doing this thing that I'm not sure it's ever done before. A whole lot of coughing, a whole lot of nasal congestion. And listen to me now. I have a totally new voice for this podcast. It hurts to talk, but here I am talking to you all. Why? Because it's episode 199. And I want it to be a good one. So, sit back, enjoy, and regale it. The new voice that is the Tuesday Night Podcast. Of course I jest. I will not be hosting this episode. Instead, it will be my beautiful business partner, Sean McCoy. But he's going to be broadcasting this episode from far, far away. For you see... He's on a space adventure, as he is on a different planet. As I like to call this episode 199, Sean Solo's Adventure on Planet Parenthood. Let Sean Solo's space adventure begin. I'm Sean McCoy, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast that is all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and underneath the table. And this is episode 199. I'm Sean McCoy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Langston. Can you say hi, Langston? Alan couldn't be here today. He is dead. Tired from being at PAX Unplugged, and that means with episode 199, it's time for what you've all been waiting for, Sean Solo episode. In 199 episodes, it's never happened before, it'll never happen again, it's a special collector's edition of the Tuesday Night Podcast. If you're listening to this episode, then we have about one week left in the Gradient Descent Kickstarter. So let's talk about Gradient Descent which means talking about Mothership. Gradient Descent is the newest module in the Mothership sci-fi horror role-playing game. It'll be our third module after Dead Planet and A Pound of Flesh, which just shipped to backers about a month and a half ago. Gradient Descent is sort of like a love letter from me to Mega Dungeons. It's a sci-fi Mega Dungeon, heavily influenced by Blade Runner, Roadside Picnic, Stalker, Blame, if you're into any of those things. What even is a Mega Dungeon, though? When I say sci-fi Mega Dungeon, what does that mean? Well, the Mega Dungeon concept has its roots all the way back in early D&D, the 1974 original version of the rules. It wasn't called a Mega Dungeon back then, just a dungeon. term has come to mean today is a dungeon large enough to be the centerpiece of your entire campaign. See, originally players would go into the dungeon, hunt for treasure, fight monsters. You can't see this, but he is in a pack and play, which is like a small crib that you can pack up, and he got both his hands on the top. He's chewing on the top rim, trying to get out, trying to hang out. 
What is a mega dungeon? Well, originally, Dungeons and Dragons would take place in two locations, the wilderness or the dungeon. Those are the two types of adventures you might have. The dungeon would have 9, 10, 20 different levels to it. These are huge, massive, ever-changing levels, part of a mythical underworld. You could explore maybe forever. It wouldn't just be you and four friends. 10, 20 people might come in and out, drop in and out of the campaign, explore different parts of the dungeon, and see what they could find. A lot of people today still prefer that kind of sort of mythical play, where you're just exploring this dungeon that doesn't follow our own rules. I wanted to do a sci-fi mega dungeon, which, as far as I know, hasn't really been done before. There's been a few that are sci-fi fantasy, and a lot of the old D&D campaigns, like Greyhawk or one of the big ones, Hyboria, Empire of the Petal Throne, a lot of those old games were sci-fi and fantasy combined. There was Sword and Planet, like John Carter of Mars, there were always sort of exploring new planes and new planets, stuff like that. And of course, my favorite fantasy campaign setting, which is Carcosa, which is sci-fi and fantasy combined. So with Gradient Descent, we wanted to do our version of a Mothership Mega Dungeon. And what does that mean? Well, for us at Mothership, it means, first off, that it's easy to run, that it's easy to prepare. We wanted a sprawling environment with over 100 rooms that were going to be so easy to run, the warden could basically pick up and play with very little prep, just reading ahead a little bit, but that the module itself you would have open at the table and be able to run right out of the book. Mega Dungeons are so huge, there's very few that successfully navigate how to lay them out and write them such that you don't have to do all the work yourself as a DM or a warden ahead of time. You don't have to go through highlight scan, rekey the rooms. So what we're doing is every room is a series of bullet points. Right up at the top, you have a short description of the room, and then you have a series of bullet points of what the players see. Internally, we call them clickables. If you think about an old adventure game like Monkey Island, you remember that it's like point and click, you hover your mouse over certain items, and they glow because you can click on them, and that means you can interact with them. Well, we wanted to make it such that you knew what was immediately interact withable in the room. Now, of course, role-playing games have sort of tactical infinity. That's one of the great things that differentiates them from board games. So that means that you can interact with anything in the room. But all the special things that we wanted to highlight in the room, we've put in bullet points. This might be something like a broken terminal, or a pile of refuse, or a shredded android. But we put them in bullet points and we bold them so that you, the warden, as you're scanning through this thing, answering questions from players, you can just scan through the bullet points and hit all the bolded items with your own sort of tone, use your own imagination to describe them. And then, and only then, if the players investigate, okay, I want to, I want, let's, let's go take a look at that broken terminal. That broken terminal will have its own nested bullet point list of the items you see when you investigate. Okay, you see that there's some sort of junk on the keyboard, the screen's been cracked, but there's a disc sticking out of the vent at the bottom. Okay, let's take a look at the disc. This creates what I think is sort of the original call and response, 20 questions version of role-playing games that I like. I like to reduce dice rolling at the table. What I like is for there to be a long conversation between the GM, the ward, and the DM, and the players. That's like a series of playing 20 questions. So, with Gradient Descent, that's very easy to do. That you have the options to give the players, and then you can answer questions very easily. We've put in a number of minor tweaks, like every room is numbered with the page number and a letter. So if you're on page 43 and you're in room A, that room's name is 43A. 
That way, our mega dungeon can have a lot of cross-referencing, meaning that rooms can refer to other rooms, and the DM or the warden immediately knows, okay, if they're talking about room 55B, I know to turn to page 55. We don't have to put a separate page reference in there. That reduces the amount of page flipping you have to have to find stuff and makes it quicker for the warden on the fly. That's a little bit of what we're trying to do with Gradient Descent in terms of just format and layout, trying to make it very, very easy to run, easy to prep, and very quick for new wardens. Now, when we say Mega Dungeon, we mean a dungeon so big you could play an entire campaign in it. Mothership is really great at running one-shots. In fact, hundreds of people have run the first adventure from our first module, the Screaming on the Alexis from Dead Planet, as a one-shot. And what a lot of people have been curious about is, is the game fun for campaign play? Can it sustain long-term campaigns? Which, to me, is the crown jewel of any role-playing game. Is Can I play it week after week with my friends, with my character level up? Can we explore new things about the galaxy? And with every module, that we've released, we've tried to expand the capabilities of what you can do with a Mothership game. Now, Enterprising Wardens can really do whatever they want with just the player's guide. The game is rife for expansion, but we want to give you examples of how we would do it. So Gradient Descent, how does it support campaign play? Well, first off, it's huge. It's over 100 rooms, which means there's tons of space to explore. The other big thing is there's factions. Oh no, come here. You didn't want to be put down, huh? I love you. The whole conceit of Gradient Descent is that it takes place in what we call the Deep. The Deep is an abandoned factory that used to produce androids. And who ran the factory? A powerful artificial intelligence, an AI. What happened, though, was that the AI started making androids that were indistinguishable from humans, which caused a lot of problems. So its owners started talking about shutting it down, turning the AI off and shutting down the factory. The AI didn't like this, so it played dumb and started producing androids quicker and cheaper and more cost-effectively, but not more intelligently. And so what happened was, it actually ended up putting everyone at the company out of work. The station was fully automated. The AI was basically left alone to do this. Well, then when that happened, it started putting out smart, human-like androids again, who started infiltrating society and could be in positions of huge amounts of power throughout your sector. But this means that to contain the android, to contain the android like Incursion and the AI, these corporations set up a blockade around the space station, so no one is allowed in or out. But of course, some people get in, because it's really valuable to go in there, steal logic cores, art designed by these androids, or the AI is using these personality templates from real people, their real memories. So sometimes really rich people hire people to go in and steal those brain scans back so that they're not duplicated in the real world. So those people that go in to the deep are called divers, and they have their own culture. One of the big things is you never leave a diver behind. The reason you never leave a diver behind in the deep is because they get this thing called the bends. You spend so much time in the deep dealing with these androids who are human-like and have their own memories and don't even know they're androids, you start to wonder if you're an android who's had their memories replaced with a real person. And sometimes you get so obsessed with this sort of quest for finding out whether you're human that you go into the deep and never return and live out the rest of your days as an android, even though you're a human. 
So divers never like to leave anyone they meet in the deep. They always like to take them out, which causes a problem for the blockades, because a lot of times they're taking androids out. These androids are so realistic, again, you can't tell whether they're human or androids, except, potentially, after they've died. So another one of the things we do that brings out the existential horror in the game, the players, whether you're human, android, teamster, scientist, marine, whatever, once you've gone into the deep once, there's a percent chance that you're actually an android and you don't realize it. It's kind of a Schrodinger's cat situation. Before you went to the deep, you knew you weren't a human. But after you go to the deep, it's possible. Maybe you were replaced. Maybe you're an android all along. Maybe your memories are fabricated. And this sort of takes a little bit of agency away from the players and creates the situation where you don't really know who you are anymore, which we think is super cool. There's a hundred of these artifacts, these really interesting, unique, almost like magic items that you can find there. They're not magic, but they're super, super unique that were created by the AI and the androids that live there. And you can go in and find them, sell them for money. You can work for the divers. You can work for the blockade as android troubleshooters, basically going in and hunting down rogue androids. Or you can work with the AI and go on missions outside the factory itself, outside the deep, doing the bidding of the AI in your campaign world. This is meant to be placed into your campaign setting and used as often as you want. You can go there, leave, come back. You don't have to beat it all in one go, which makes it a lot more accessible for long-term play. We've been working on uh, the prototype and playtesting it right now. The writer, Luke Gearing, is phenomenal. He wrote a module called Fever Swamp, which is a fantasy module, one in any. You should go check it out. He's been amazing to work with, and he has a really, really good draft that we've been playtesting. Speaking of playtesting, one of my favorite things to do is to create prototypes, whether that's for role-playing games or board games or card games or whatever. I like putting together that first version of the game that I'm going to play with my friends and see if the game works. And because I'm a graphic designer, I really like making it look fancy. And the best way I've found to do that is with thegamecrafter.com. Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. <laughs> With a game crafter, I've done a lot of cool things. I just got some custom red and blue dice made for this mech role-playing game that I'm working on. I didn't order like a whole box with a whole game. I just went in and created the custom dice that have hits and misses on them, ordered 12 of them. And it's great because as I come up with new components, I'll go ahead and order them, and then I put them in a little cardboard box. And then on my shelf, I've got a Null Hack one, a Mothership one, a Heist one. I'm looking at them right now. And these little boxes become the first versions of the game. And I really love them because they're kind of like the version I made for me before it was a product when it was just like a fun thing to make for me. And, you know, someday Langston. If you're a designer or you just have house rules or you're missing a component from a board game, we super, super recommend going to thegamecrafter.com and using their services. It's always been a lot of fun. They're pretty quick. They've got a ton of different stuff on there. You can get dice. You can get boards. They're even doing starting to do little meeples and miniatures and all this sort of stuff. TheGameCrafter.com. It's wonderful. Those are the amazing things about Gradient Descent. We're super excited about it. I've been loving playing it, running it, and I really, really can't wait to see if this opens up a lot of people's abilities to make Mega Dungeons by seeing what we do. I'm really excited to see what you guys do with Gradient Descent in your campaign. 
if you team up with the AI or the androids or even the troubleshooters, the blockade, the divers, who people use and what they make out of this very, very cool location. That's my episode today. As always, send us your comments, questions, and Nave Tonight submissions to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Don't forget, you want to send this stuff in before it's too late for episode 200. Be sure to follow us on your preferred social media platform, at PlayTKG. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share the shit out of it. Every little bit helps. Just recommending it to a friend or recommending your favorite episode really, really goes a long way. I'm Sean McCoy. Be sure to check out Gradient Descent on Kickstarter. If you don't know anything else about Mothership, go to MothershipRPG.com. We have the rules for free. You can learn everything you need to know about the game, and we have two modules out for it right now. We've also got a great Discord channel to check us out if you have questions. Other than that, Langston... This episode is... Finished! Thank you all for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. And thank you, business partner Sean and your beautiful son Langston. I hope your journey back from Planet Parenthood is not as dangerous as any single game of Mothership would be. (laughs) But please... Tune in to the next episode, episode 200. There may be a little bit of a delay, as there has been. I apologize that we haven't been every week for a while. Life has gotten busy. We had BGG Con where I got sick, didn't recover, had to go to PAX Unplugged. I also have been teaching a crap ton. But episode 200, we want it to be special. Oh, we're cramming all that goodness in one heaping of an episode. So again, don't forget to contribute, send in whatever stories and favorite episode moments that you have to help make the 200th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast truly a celebration. Goodbye. It's time to convalesce, baby.